Hey everybody, this is Rick. And this is Nathan from Aberdeen, Washington. And you're listening to Treks in in Sci-Fi with our friend Rico. Rico. The podcast is strong in this one. Greetings everyone, and thanks to Rick and Nathan for that intro. Yes, this is Treks in Sci-Fi, and this is Rico for, uh, let's see, today is June 24th, 2007. This is going to be podcast number 127. Jeez, the numbers are starting to run together. Every week I've got to look up the number where we're at. I knew we were in the late 120s, but this uh, this podcast this week, we're going to be talking about a two-parter uh, Deep Space Nine set of episodes, uh, a really interesting and a good set of episodes uh that uh, really give you a lot of background on Odo and some changes to the show in the beginning of the third season. So that'll be coming up on the show. We've got a collectible later on in the show to discuss and some news and information uh, from the realms of sci-fi and Star Trek and things like that. Got another uh, book review from the Duffster. So a lot of good stuff. I think you're going to enjoy it. So stand by. Here we go. Welcome to the show, everyone, and this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm your host, Rico, as usual, or almost always, I should say. It's, uh, well, let's see. We've got Orange Gatorade to keep my throat from uh, drying out too much while I do the podcast uh, this morning. A uh, nice summer, uh, kind of cool little here in Michigan this morning, only about 55, 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, uh, nice uh, summer, uh, or well, it is officially summer, I should say, but it's uh, not really that warm this morning, and I think we're probably going to get up to about 80 today. So there's your Michigan weather report, because I think you were all waiting to hear about that, right? Let's see, what's been going on with me? This past week, my uh, younger son and I were building a new computer for him uh, with some pretty much top-of-the-line components. Uh, got a few little glitches still to work out. Actually, we... Uh, we took the plunge and installed Vista, Windows Vista on it, which uh, I have to say is uh, a little smoother uh, process than I thought it would be, and, and it seems to be working pretty well with Vista. So uh, I've been kind of resisting it, but I think if you've got really new and top-of-the-line hardware that can run uh, run this system well, I, I think uh, Windows Vista might be the way you want to go, especially if you're building a new computer. I don't know if you want to upgrade to it if you've got an older computer, but for new stuff, I think Vista, if you're going to use Windows at all, probably the way to go. I'd like to get a, uh, a few of the usual bits of business out of the way first. Uh, a few things I wanted to say. The first one was, uh, as you heard at the beginning of the show there, there was the Moyers doing their little intro. I try to ask every now and then. Uh, I'm always looking for a short, uh, you know, say 15, 20 seconds, even a little, you know, a little longer, a little less, depending on what you want to record. But always looking for new intros to for the show. I've got some from uh, some Star Trek celebrities now in the in the queue, I should call it, and got some from the listeners, from people on the forums, uh, and so forth. So uh, please send an intro in a little audio file. Uh, you can always email that uh, to uh, the main email for the podcast, which is treksf at gmail.com. That is the, the primary way to get in touch with me. You can also call the voicemail line. The number for that, uh, it's a new number. Uh, I had to change that recently. The new number is 206 206- 
6666127. So that is the voicemail for the show and the email. So if you want to get in touch with me, send an audio intro in, that would be great. Uh, the other thing is I'm always looking for uh, votes on Podcast Alley, reviews on iTunes. If you're somebody that's listened to the podcast for a while and you haven't done that, uh, hop on over to those. And you can always uh, get those links directly off the main webpage for the website. For the website, main webpage for the for the podcast, which is treksf.com or just treksinsci-fi.com. Both of those will get you to the main webpage. Check out all the links there, the forums, the collection gallery, uh, all kinds of good stuff there, which uh, I may be doing a little revamping of the main webpage sometime in the not-too-distant future, so keep an eye on that. Before we get to other uh, sci-fi, Star Trek, and things, uh, news and that, uh, I did want to make uh, one kind of an announcement here uh, regarding uh, something my wife is involved in uh, pretty heavily. She's going to be doing a, uh, a three-day walk this fall for uh, to fight breast cancer, which for a lot of people it's affected their lives in, in some way. Uh, it's not affected us, uh, luckily, uh, directly at all, but we have known people affected by it and she kind of has uh, really been training a lot going on these long walks it's a three-day walk 20 miles uh, for each day three days in a row this September and she is collecting donations for that uh, I'm not going to give you that uh, all those there's a basically a direct link where you can make a direct donation to uh, to her uh, uh, collection I guess you could call it that goes all directly to fight uh, breast cancer and I, it's a really great cause. I try not to talk about uh, you know these kind of things too much on the podcast, but every once in a while she's really uh, she's really out there training. And she just went out for a, a walk this morning. She did ten miles yesterday, and she's really uh, working hard for this. So if you're interested at all, any small donation that you could make would be great. I will put a link uh, to that in the podcast notes this week. There's links on the forums uh, about that, and I'll. I'll try to put a permanent link on the main webpage as well. So uh, anything that you can do to help out would be greatly appreciated. And I'm actually going to try to get her to do a little sort of a little public service announcement, little guest spot on the podcast in the very near future and talk about that a little bit. And and I know uh, I've, I've said that before and she's kind of shy about coming on the show, but I, I finally convinced her uh, people on the forums. I posted a link to her uh, her site uh, for this uh, donation for this walk and people who were already gracious enough to donate some things and she said uh, it looks like you have some really great uh, listeners out there and she said she'd be willing to come on sometime I just got to find another reasonable uh, good mic uh, to hook it up and uh, and find a few minutes to sit her down and, and and talk about that so we'll do that real soon but so that's uh, all the announcements we're through all that and let's segue over into uh, we got another uh, audio file uh, from James Earl who's talking about some of the TV shows and the good sci-fi during the summer that that are, it's on. Uh, you know, a lot of summer things are in reruns, and there's not a lot of good new stuff on TV. But James Earl has taken it upon himself to talk about the things that are going to be coming up. Uh, and one of those is Eureka. And he's talking about that next. So here you go. Hi, Rico. This is James Earl, lost Trekkie on the forums um, from New York. Uh, I'm here back again this week to talk about Eureka, another show that I like to watch over the summer. Um, it's a really great show. I have fun watching it. It's, it's very funny. It's one of those uh, shows that Sci-Fi does that's both funny and serious at the same time. Um, it's very, it's very good. It's about this man who, um, he's a sheriff, a marshal, and once he visits this town, 
that were um, Albert Einstein founded years and years ago when he realized that the future belonged to science and where um, super geniuses um, all live and they try to come up with uh, new technological advancements for the United States government. And uh, this man, he becomes the sheriff of the town and he gets into all kinds of um, wacky adventures and stuff like that. Um, it's a really great show. I have fun watching it. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny to see how um, the sheriff um, really uh, doesn't understand all the science stuff, but he somehow finds a way to deal with it and how to stop it. Um, it's the, they had the first season coming out on DVD. Um, I think it either came out really recently or it is coming out. I believe it already did come out. And the second season is going to start coming out on July 10th. It's a really great show. I have fun. I laugh. Um, it's just funny to watch with the family. It's a great family show. You have fun watching it with your family. Um, little kids can watch it. And adults can watch it, too, and they all like it. And um, he has a, the sheriff, he has a daughter, Joe, who's kind of the normal teenage girl. And she has to deal with being all these, around all these, uh, all these super geniuses. But also, um, at the end of season one, she, um, the main character and another character went from an alternate timeline and back into our timeline to try and change something that happened in the past that really affected some, that really affected the future. And they eventually stopped it, um, and but now both of them are stuck in the past. And so, from what I've read in the um, previews, that they're going to have to start dealing with it in the beginning of this new season, and they're going to have to deal with being back in the past. So that should be interesting to watch. Um, well, thank you for letting me talk about Eureka. But before I sign off, I also wanted to talk about um, the Stargate season finale, which I, sorry, series finale, which uh, was on um, last night for me. It was a really great show. Um, I started watching Star Trek around the time Enterprise got canceled around season three. I only got to see it for two years on the air. So Stargate was really the big sci-fi show. And now that it's over, I saw Stargate Atlantis. And I really thought that this episode kind of brought these series to a close. It was really fun to watch. Um, it was kind of funny and kind of sad at the same time, especially when they went to that wormhole the last time. But at least this is, I think this is really good for the series as well, because now that we're going to get two movies, Atlantis is continuing, and follows as well, we'll also have another show coming out in about two years called Stargate Universe, which should be fun to watch. So I'm glad this happened as much. As much as I love, sorry about that. As much as I love Stargate, if uh, this is uh, as long if this brings two more movies in another series, I'm glad to see it go. I'm, I mean, it had a great one. It's a great show, and it's going to be back in two more movies, and it's going to bring about another series. So, yeah, as much as I hate to see it go, it's really good. Uh, see what's going to happen for it in the future. Um, but I really like the show. It had a great influence on me. And if you never checked it out, but I bet most of the listeners have, and I know you have because you've mentioned it a couple times yourself, um, then you should really check it out if you haven't seen it. But uh, I'll hopefully be back uh, pretty soon with the movies. And also, thanks for letting me call. Have a good day, Rico, and I enjoy listening to the podcast. Bye. Well, thanks a lot for that uh, great uh, commentary on Eureka and the Stargate shows, uh, James. Yeah, it's uh, those are great uh, shows. Eureka, a fun show, uh, uh, interesting, like you said, both funny and serious at the same time. I watched season one last uh, summer and really enjoyed it. And now it's going to be back in a couple of weeks 
for the second season starting in early July, at least in the United States, on the Sci-Fi Channel. So looking forward to that. And, and yeah, the Stargate uh, shows, the finales of SG-1, well, the series finale of SG-1 last Friday in the States aired, along with the um, season finale of Atlantis. Yeah, it was kind of a bittersweet ending for SG-1. I really enjoyed the last episode. I thought it was an interesting one. I think, uh, though, if I wouldn't have known they were going to do a couple of uh, movies, I think that are going direct to DVD, I might have been a little disappointed in the ending of SG-1. They didn't kind of resolve everything, which I already knew ahead of time that was going to be the case. So uh, with these movies uh, for DVD coming, though, uh, that's uh, that's a good thing, and it's got you know we got more SG-1 to kind of look forward to that way. The uh, series, or the, sorry, the season finale of Atlantis was good as well. I enjoyed that. Uh, that show is always really kind of I don't know. I, I, there's something about it. Uh, the characters on there, it's a lot of fun. Uh, SG-1 can be a little bit more serious, a little more kind of stoic at times. Uh, Atlantis just kind of was a little. I don't want to call it lighthearted, but I don't know. There's sort of a personality to it that I really, really enjoy. Uh, Colonel uh, Shepard on there really get a kick out of his characters, and, and McKay, Rodney on there. Anyway, that uh, the cool thing about that series, it's going to be back uh, not too long in September with Season 4. And Amanda Tapping, who plays uh, Carter, of course, on SG-1 for all those years, is going to be moving over to Atlantis, which will be good. They're changing around some of the actors, some of the characters on Atlantis, uh, which, uh, you know, it's both a good and a bad thing. Some of the actors are leaving that have been on there a long time, and some new ones are coming in. So the show will be a little bit changed because of that. But at least it'll be back in September and should be should be good. So we're I'm a little looking forward to that, and I think a lot of other people are as well. Well, let's uh, move on uh, here. I've got uh, a, a book review, and then we got to get into this two-part Deep Space Nine episode because a lot to cover there. So I've got a book review from the Duffster that I want to play for everyone, and then I will be getting into the Deep Space Nine episode. Uh, got a quick little tidbits of news to talk about, but not much this week that I'll talk about after Duffster's review. And this week, I believe it's a book about Mars that he's talking about. So listen to this. Hey, everyone. This is Duffster, and this is your science fiction book review. Brought to you by ReadMoreSciFi.com. Today's book, we're going to speak about Red Planet, a book by Robert Heinlein, written in 1949. This is uh, one of the books they refer to as Robert Heinlein's Juvenile Series. It was um, published by Scribner's, and they published quite a few books that they talk about as uh, Heinlein's juvenile novels. Um, they were kind of focused as for uh, children, um, but you know what? I'm reading these books now, a lot of these books now, and I, I'm still enjoying them. Um, like I said, it was written in 1949. It's uh, about a young man named Jim Marlowe, who on um, the planet Mars has befriended a creature called Willis, which is a, they refer to as a Martian roundhead. He's, uh, he's able to mimic, uh, humans' voices. He's, uh, he's a good friend of, uh, Jim's, and, uh, Willis also ends up being quite an intelligent beast, uh, translating with, uh, the indigenous Martian, uh, that really don't communicate well with humans and ends up being a very integral piece of the book. Um, I liked this book when I read it the first time when I was younger and I'm 
reading again and I'm really enjoying it again. It's got a lot of adventure. Uh, it, I'm, I'm having my daughter and some of her friends read it for uh, the ReadMoreSciFi.com podcast and they seem to be enjoying it a lot. It's uh, Even though we know Mars, you know, these creatures don't live on Mars, it's still fun to go back and imagine back in the days. Um, so if you haven't read this book, it's a good book to, to pick up and it's a good quick read. Uh, well, this is Duffster. I'm going to sign off. But i got to remind you, of course, read more science fiction. Ta-ta. Well, thanks very much, Duffster, Duffster, excuse me, Duffster, for that uh, another cool book review. Uh, and definitely check out his site, readmoresci-fi.com, for more information and uh, for information on his podcast and books, uh, cool books to read. Heinlein, another uh, another great sci-fi author. Uh, it's, it's really kind of... Uh, you know, sad that some of these books are, I think, still, you know, they're they're around to a degree, but I think they're getting kind of overlooked a little by new authors and new books that are being published every day. Uh, but anything, you know, any kind of reading that anyone does, whether it's sci-fi, fantasy, even regular straight fiction is great, I think. And definitely it was great uh, to hear that you're getting your uh, kids involved. I've tried to, and actually I just ordered um, the novelization by Richard Matheson of this uh, movie, coming out uh, that they're doing uh, what's it called the one that Will Smith is doing I am legend yes that's what it's called we were at a movie last week I think Fantastic Four and my younger son uh, we saw the preview for the Will Smith movie I am legend and he he said that kind of looks cool and I said oh that you know that's uh that's a classic uh, sci-fi kind of novel uh, by a guy named Richard Matheson and he kind of showed some interest so I hopped onto Amazon ordered it should be here in a couple of days so you know, that's uh, that's one of those times where you can sort of use, uh, you know, TV or movies and things like that to get people and kids interested. My, my kids will read some to, to, a, to a certain degree, but I think when summer is out, they all kind of like to veg out a little bit. So, uh, But he's uh, definitely interested in reading that. Of course, they've read some of the Harry Potter books and a lot of that stuff, but I've always enjoyed reading myself. I've been in the science fiction book club forever, pretty much, and... Uh, I, the, the trouble these days is just not having enough time to read. I, I read during my lunch hour a lot of times, uh, at night, in the evening a little bit. Uh, so it's, uh, it takes me a while to get through a book, but I do it. Um, so anyway, actually I'm reading a Star Wars novel right now, uh, the first in the new Legacy of the Force series uh, called, I think it's called Betrayal. Yeah, that's the name of it, Betrayal title. Uh, sometimes titles of books are a little strange, but this one's pretty straightforward. So um, anyway, thanks again, Duffster, for your review. Hey, this is Whirlins the Dwarf. And I'm Adeldia the Elf. And we're from the Elf and Dwarf Podcast. And you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. You know, it's uh, everyone, it's a little funny. Ever since I got back from this last trip to Taiwan about, you know, a month or so ago, I've, I've had this, like, kind of weird sensation in my inner ear. And I don't know, maybe I've been flying on airplanes too much. Sometimes I think I should go in and get it checked out. So if I'm talking a little louder or it sounds a little off, I apologize. Uh... It's just, uh, I don't know, too many uh, pressurized cabins I've been sitting in in the last year or so. Uh, there's not a lot in, in sci-fi news. I just sort of scanned my, my usual site, Sci-Fi Wire, Star Trek.com, and all that. Uh, you know, basically the script is done for the movie. The, the, the talk is at Comic-Con at the end of July. They're going to announce the cast and more details on the next Star Trek movie. Uh, I did really enjoy the Robot Chicken Star Wars special last uh, weekend. That was great. Uh, and really, uh, really funny stuff there. So, um, but that's all about uh, on the news end. I want to say we've got some uh, sci-fi shows, like I said, coming out again. Eureka's coming out next month. Uh, 
We've got uh, Doctor Who Season 3 that we've been watching, my son and I. Uh, we've been grabbing the episodes off the BitTorrent thing, which I, I'm freely going to admit because it seems like uh, why can't these guys get together and release things at the same time? Although Season 3 of Doctor Who is coming out on Sci-Fi Channel very soon. I believe it's is it July or August. It's sometime this summer they're going to start broadcasting that. And I have to say it's really good so far. We're about... I don't know, maybe about episode seven or eight, I think, uh, through season three. Uh, the new companion for the Doctor is real interesting, uh, and uh, the show is as good as ever, I think. So looking forward to uh, hearing other people's thoughts on that when it starts showing here in the States, at least. Now, let's move on to Deep Space Nine, two-part episode, The Search. Last time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. If you could do any science project you wanted to, anything at all. Visit the Gamma Quadrant? Never heard of a Jem'Hadar. Then you've been fortunate. Negotiations with the Dominion can be a dangerous thing. The Dominion will no longer stand by and allow ships from your side to violate our territory. Starfleet's orders are simple. Traffic through the wormhole will be suspended until the Odyssey can investigate the Jem'Hadar's threat. What about Benjamin and the others? Don't worry, Lieutenant. Commander Sisko's return is a top priority. If you're going to try to rescue them, then we're coming with you. Here they come. Major, one of the Jem'Hadar ships is making a direct run at the Odyssey. Jim Hadar wanted us to escape, didn't they? You have no idea what's begun here. She'll be back. The question is who she'll bring with her. If the Dominion comes through the wormhole, the first battle would be fought here. And I intend to be ready for them. And now the continuation. Well, okay, that was mostly... uh audio from the last episode of season two the Jem Hadar episode but that all leads into because it was sort of a cliffhanger that all leads into the first episode of season three and the second episode <laughs> excuse me everyone the second episode of season three which uh both of these called the search the search part one and the search part two this led off season three of deep space nine uh, it was um Let's go through the credits, I guess. The the teleplay, the script was by Ronald D. Moore, of course, of uh, the new Battlestar Galactica fame now. A uh, story by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, which were uh, some pretty uh, big players, executive producer types uh, on Deep Space Nine. This one's directed by Kim Friedman, but uh, part two is actually directed by Jonathan Frakes, of course, number one. He directed part two of The Search, which we'll talk about as we go through the episodes uh, in a little bit more. The uh, I think the big thing about these episodes, obviously, is the fact that this introduces everyone to uh, more about the Jem'Hadar and more, of course, about Odo and the Dominion, which, uh, of course, live on. They all are there on the other side of the wormhole on the in the uh, Gamma Quadrant and... This uh, really uh, reveals a lot about Odo. These are basically, to me, uh, Odo episodes. You learn his origins. Uh, 
which um, I remember when I first saw these episodes, it was kind of, uh, I was a little bit surprised to a degree because when they started off Deep Space Nine and they had this mysterious shapeshifter changeling guy, Odo, you know, the Constable Odo uh, played uh, really a well done uh, performance always by Rene Aubergenois playing Odo on Deep Space Nine, uh, doing a great job, one of, one of the top actors on that show in my view. But I always thought, since they made this big mystery about where he came from, that we wouldn't really ever find that out. Or if we did, it would be in the, you know, very, very late when the series was nearly over, like late in the last season, maybe even, who knows, the last episode of the series. But they kind of uh, surprised me a little bit by uh, giving us all this information about Odo and the Dominion and the Jem'Hadar and everything involved in in the Gamma Quadrant uh, Fairly early in the series, of course, at this point in series uh, or in the Deep Space Nine series, uh, season three, you know, there's never any guarantees that they're going to be there for seven seasons. So now it looks like they kind of reveal things a little early. But, you know, this led to the war with the, the Dominion, it eventually led to things that involved the Klingons and the Cardassians and, and really the rich sort of uh, tapestry and, and the whole story arcs that Deep Space Nine was famous for. Uh, really kind of started here, at least, I think, to, to some degree. They they really had a, a big uh, sort of, you know, huge reveal here with the Dominion as far as, you know, oh, what they're all about. And, oh, my gosh, the Dominion, these other aliens on the other side of the uh, Gamma Quadrant are really where Odo's from and his people, uh, this, this race of changelings, this race of shapeshifters, which was revealed in these episodes. And it was... Um, really an interesting thing and I, I really applaud them for taking this step I think it was good and it really opened up a lot of things for the show and, and the character of Odo especially I've got of course the usual clips I tried to keep the clips down a little bit I've got maybe about the same number of clips I would do in one episode for two episodes and there's about 10 uh, I'm trying to, as the future review episodes and future podcasts go I'm going to try to cut back a little bit more on the clips and, and just do a little more general discussion and talk about these episodes and things that I go over. I start to think that I've just become, uh, you know, it's just a rehash of the episode more than it is some kind of discussion and some insights into what I think is going on here. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. But even with that said, the first clip, the other big thing, uh, well, I, I, leading into this first clip that I have to say, that the big part of this uh the show in the beginning of uh, the part one of the search uh, besides an Odo type episode and information is the new real big thing that happens in these episodes is the defiant uh, the, that's the Federation prototype warship that was created to fight the Borg uh, shows up uh, uh, cloaked actually at Deep Space Nine uh, Cisco has been a, at Starfleet Command for a little while and when he comes back he brings a, a, a new little toy for them to play with so listen to this clip from the intensity and the harmonic signature, it could be a cloaked ship. But I've never seen an energy dispersal pattern like this. It's too close for comfort, whatever it is. Red alert. Ray shields. Energized phaser banks. Stand by to lock photon torpedoes The energy on. signature's fluctuating. It's decloaking. It's definitely a Federation starship, but I've never seen that design before. A Federation ship? The cloaking device? It's hailing us. On screen. Hello, Major. Sorry to startle you, but I wanted to test the Defiant's cloaking device. The Defiant? I brought back a little surprise for the Dominion. Yeah, 
Yeah, so we get to meet this uh, this cool new starship, uh, the Defiant, uh, which really opens things up for Deep Space Nine and allows them to travel to uh, other planets, go through the wormhole a lot more, uh, have something that's got a little more punch and a little more defensive capability and offense uh, than the runabouts have had. Uh, a lot more, actually. It was... Uh, uh, Cisco describes it as a warship that was built uh, to fight the Borg, but since the Borg threat kind of diminished a little bit, uh, they really kind of ended the program. And plus, the Defiant is uh, has some problems, some technical difficulties. O'Brien eventually tweaks and, and modifies it so it runs pretty well throughout the series of uh, throughout Deep Space Nine uh, on the show. So it becomes uh, you know a way for them to become more of a uh, one of the more typical Star Trek shows with a crew aboard a starship exploring things and going out and fighting other bad guys and things things of that nature, I guess. Which is very critical for this episode. They're fighting against the Jem'Hadar, which are the sort of the military side uh, and the soldiers for the Dominion, who have some pretty powerful ships, are pretty tough fighters, so they need something with uh, that can protect them and take them in on this exploration. The name of this episode is to explore... Uh, what's in that gamma quadrant what's going on and find out more about the dominion basically is what they're supposed to do now when i was grabbing the uh, clips as i was going through these episodes uh getting ready for the podcast i tried to get mostly what i would call like uh, more character moments you know moments between a couple of the cast members a couple of uh uh the the people on deep space nine cisco and such and such or kira and odo that kind of thing. I think those are the important points and important moments of a lot of the episodes uh, and this one. You know, the action scenes and things that happen, I can relate and tell you what goes on in those scenes. But for me, it's the, it's the interplay between the characters, which uh, for, you know, TNG, for Next Generation, for Deep Space Nine, Voyager, those I feel were the strong points in the writing and what was going on, you know, through through what was going on as far as the plot in the episode was seen through the character's eyes. I hope that makes sense, I think. <laughs> At least it uh, gives you a little insight about why or which episodes and clips that I, or what clips, excuse me, out of the episodes that I choose. So this next one here is between Dax and Cisco talking about, uh, you know, kind of a little bit about Cisco and, and what he sees his career as being and uh, going forward in the future. So listen to that. You know, after Jennifer died, I never thought I would see you this passionate about something again. Two months ago, I would have agreed with you. Then I went back to Earth, and I spent all those weeks debriefing at Starfleet headquarters. And I... I used to get a thrill just walking into that building. I'd look around at the admirals and think... One day, that's going to be me. One day, I'm the one that's going to be making the big decisions. Curzon always thought that was very funny. Did he? What I mean is, he could never see a set of admiral stars on your collar. He thought that just making the decisions would never satisfy you. You had to implement them, see the results, face the consequences. Curzon always thought you were the kind of man who had to be in the thick of things. Not behind some desk at headquarters. He was a smart old man, wasn't he? He'd like to think so. Yeah, good, 
good stuff there from Avery Brooks and Terry Farrell. Dax, uh, really a great moment. I really like the relationship on Deep Space Nine overall. I think they did a lot to good stuff together, and then that whole thing about him knowing Curzon and, and the symbiotic relationship between Dax and uh, Curzon, and how she has his knowledge, and they're good friends. It, it, it really adds a lot to the show. Really enjoy that. The There's a lot in this episode that has to do with Odo, like I was saying earlier, of course, and one of the things that pops in, another kind of change and thing that's going on is there's the new character, uh, David Eddington, a Starfleet officer that's kind of put in, in charge of Starfleet security on Deep Space Nine, and it makes Odo basically feel like they're pushing him out and getting rid of him. Uh, Odo doesn't always do things quite by the book, and he's not a Starfleet officer, and they don't really have complete authority over him which causes some issues and, and you know he and Cisco don't always see eye to eye but he, you know he he does a good job but Starfleet's not too happy with it so they put this guy named Eddington in played by uh, Kenneth Marshall who was uh the lead in the movie Crawl there's a little bit of trivia for you which is a cool movie from the 80s that I enjoyed also has Liam Neeson in it of course who played Qui-Gon in one of the or in the Phantom Menace so there you go a little bit of a uh, Star Wars connection and other movie connections to Deep Space Nine but anyway, Eddington comes aboard Deep Space Nine, so Odo's not too happy about that. And the next clip here is between Cisco uh, and Kira discussing that situation and uh, what uh, what she thinks about the deal. But at the moment, I don't know what to do about it. Can I speak freely? What the hell is wrong with Starfleet? How could they do this to him? This has been a long time coming, Major. Starfleet has never been happy with the Constable. They've been pressing me to replace him for the last two years. Because he worked for the Cardassians. No, it goes deeper than that. Odo is not what you call a team player. Why? Because sometimes he doesn't go through the proper channels? Well, that's a start. You know Odo. He enjoys thumbing his nose at authority. He files reports when he feels like it. His respect for the chain of command is minimal. He gets the job done. Starfleet likes team players. Starfleet likes the chain of command, and frankly, so do I. So you agree with their decision? No, but I understand it. And when this mission is over, you're just going to let him go? Look, Major, I want him to stay as much as you do, but he has to want to stay. Bridge to Commander Sisko. We've reached the Kalanon system. On my way. The uh, overall plot here that's going on is, of course, the Defiant is in the uh, Gamma Quadrant searching out uh, for information on the Dominion, and they had a, um, a guy that kind of led him to this Kalanon system. They end up getting in, though, a battle, uh, causes some damage. The Jem'Hadar board the ship, and eventually uh, that's that's towards the end of the episode. But just to give you some what's what's going on here, they're, most of these conversations are taking place aboard the Defiant on their uh, searching through the Gamma Quadrant. And related related to the, the kind of uh, theme here of having these two-person conversations, uh, the next one here, this one's a, uh, kind of a follow-up to the last clip. This one's between Odo and Kira talking about they they ran into a guy. Uh, they brought uh, Quark along on this mission because he knew uh, a certain group of people over there, did some business with them, and they got information, some star charts, and, and are trying to, again, locate the Dominion. But these star charts, uh, Odo has been really examining them really closely aboard the Defiant, and he's sort of drawn to a certain... Uh, area of space in the Gamma Quadrant, and this conversation revolves around the one you're about to hear between him and Kira. So listen to this. 
I'm your friend. You know, the one who comes to you when she needs help. I'm just trying to return the favor. Well, you can return the favor by giving me a shuttlecraft and letting me go. Go? Go where? We're in the heart of the Dominion. Where the hell do you think you're gonna go? The Omarian Nebula. Why? I'm not sure why. I just know I have to, that's all. You're gonna have to do a lot better than that. Odo, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Ever since we've come into the Gamma Quadrant, I've had this feeling of being drawn somewhere, pulled by some instinct to a specific place. The Omarian Nebula. Okay, and as this episode, uh, the first part of the two-parter ends, there's a battle with the Jem'Hadar discover the Defiant, and there's, I think, three ships taking on the Defiant. The Defiant does okay, but starts to get pretty beat up. The Jem'Hadar board the Defiant, uh, and everyone kind of looks like they get hurt or knocked out. Uh, a couple of the officers, uh, of course, the what I call the red shirts on Deep Space Nine get killed, and then there's sort of a fade out uh, Kira's hurt also and the next thing you know you see Kira and Odo in a shuttle and they're um, they've sort of abandoned the Defiance and they end up on this planet in this nebula that Odo wants to investigate and lo and behold he sees this big sort of gooey lake of stuff out there and these uh, creatures appear three of them, four of them actually I believe that uh, look a lot like him they're they, they you know, they've got the uh, weird, I don't know what you call it, uh, gooey, glowing appearance, and they form themselves to look, uh, and they have the kind of facial structure that Odo has, and they, they sort of say, hey, welcome home to him, and basically uh, he realizes he's found his people. So that's how the uh, first part ends. The second part now, fading into part two of The Search. Like I said earlier, this uh, second part, which I, I thought was a little surprising, but I guess this is fairly common. The second part was not directed by the same person. Uh, somebody, like I said, named Kim uh, Friedman did the first part, and Jonathan Frakes did part uh, two of The Search. Now, he had done a little bit of directing work on Deep Space, or sorry, on TNG, but I believe this is his first uh, directing stint on Deep Space Nine for uh, Jonathan Frakes, and it's it's really interesting to watch, you know, when you when you see uh, different people that you start to get used to. You know, he has a certain way of directing scenes and camera work and things that are it's just a little different, and I I, I like it. You know, he tries to do things in new, different ways. You know, it's not the same stock shot down a corridor. There's there's one scene I know in this episode where the camera is kind of looking up from more of a ground level at the people walking down the corridor rather than at waist or or eye level, that type of typical scene. You know, he does just, he changes things up a little bit, and it's it's an interesting thing, and I, I kind of think it helps to keep people's attention and viewers and interesting and interest in the show. It's it's kind of nice that they don't use the same director every week. Uh, but the, the second part, now this is where we get into the heart of uh, what these episodes are all about, where Odo learns a lot about his people, the Dominion, and, and that. Uh, 
for, uh, I guess we'll just get it out of the way right now. A good part of this episode, though, ends up being a kind of a dream sequence going on. Most of the the, the crew defiant, Cisco, Dax, uh, you know, Bashir, O'Brien, are all, uh, after the Defiance um, taken out of the picture a little bit, they're all captured, they're brought down to the planet, and they're put in... Uh, hook them up to this little device that makes them think certain things. It's almost like uh, they're being given a, a dream sequence, but it's very real to them. And it's a, basically a way for the the Dominion to discover what their intentions are, to sort of set them up with a scenario and how it plays out. Uh, but you don't really find that out until the very end of the episode. Uh, you know, there's it's kind of a little cliche, you know, because the whole episode ends up being for the most part, except the bar, the bit with Odo and Kira that are on the planet to, with the dominion. It, it ends up being, it doesn't matter that much, but I did grab a couple of clips even from that sequence, just because I thought they were interesting uh, and good character moments. So I'll play those for you. The first one though, is this one is, is early in the episode, the second part of uh, this two parter about Odo and learning about the his people and the Great Link. So here you go. And you're saying this is where I'm from? This is your home. Ah, I wish I could remember it. It's understandable that you cannot. You were still newly formed when you left us. Newly formed? You mean I was an infant? An infant, yes. Ah, I suspected as much. Tell me, do I have any family at all? Of course. I'd like to meet them, if that's possible. You already have. We are all part of the Great Link. Is that all of us, or are there others? Oh, no. This isn't a police investigation. I'm aware of that, Major. Well, then stop interrogating these people. This is the moment you've been waiting for all your life. Enjoy it. He really is happy to be here. Aren't you? Yes, of course. It's just that this is all very sudden. And you have many questions. Yes. Please. What exactly is this great link? The link is the very foundation of our society. It provides a meaning to our existence. It's the merging of form and thought, the sharing of idea and sensation. Oh, I see. I get it. It's like the uh, the link is like one big internet chat room where everyone gets together and, and, and talks to each other. <laughs> well, no, not really. It's this big old gooey lake out there, and they all like join together, and they can share their thoughts, and... And, and all that and merge together uh, as one being and one mind, kind of, uh, which has always been difficult for me to, a concept for me to understand. If they, if they all merge like that uh, and then they eventually separate, uh, you know, where does the group mind end and the, and the individual begin kind of a thing, uh, which I think Odo experiences a little bit in this episode. It's uh, interesting stuff. Uh, they do a good job with this uh, in the effects and you know even though this episode is you know is in like 93ish or so 94 
Well, uh, you know, 13 years ago, you know, most of this stuff was uh, computer graphics at this time were uh, just in their infancy as far as what they were being used with on TV. And But it still comes off pretty good, I think. The, uh, of course, the a lot of the ship work and the space work with the Defiant and Deep Space Nine was still being done with models, which, which I still enjoy. I like seeing the models of the ships and all that. Uh, let's move on a little bit. There's a couple, like I said, eclipse here where, where they're in these dream state, but they don't realize it, of course, at the time. And he, neither does the audience until the, uh, towards the end of the episode. While Kira and Odo are on the planet, Kira's trying to figure out a way to get off and, and contact someone, uh, but she's having some difficulties with that. Uh, everyone else kind of appears to be back on Deep Space Nine. With uh, the, In the midst of sort of a, a peace treaty negotiation there, the... Uh, what they call themselves as the founders show up on Deep Space Nine, proposing that a peace treaty be formed between the Federation and the Dominion. It's actually the Vorta that are on uh, the, the sort of um, lieutenants, I guess you could call it, the little foot soldiers. Well, the foot soldiers are really the Jemadar, but the Vorta sort of help out the Dominion as well, and they pass themselves, or one, one of them at least, tries to pass himself off uh, here as, uh, his name is Borath, actually played by an actor named Dennis Christopher, uh, who did some uh, movie work in the 80s. I haven't seen him do that much lately, but anyway, he's a Vorta, he's on Deep Space Nine trying to do these peace talks. The, the scene that I want to play, just because I, I always enjoy this relationship, is between uh, Bashir, the Doctor, and Garrick. Once they get back on Deep Space Nine, I, I just really always love the relationship between the two of them. Garrick uh, does a great job as always. Andrew Robinson, really, really great actor, and does a wonderful job as Garrick always. I think in Deep Space Nine and and Bashir uh, here in the corridor talking about uh, you know how Garrick has missed uh, Doctor Bashir since he's been gone. So listen to this, Doctor. Welcome back. Thank you, Garrick. It's good to be back. Yes. Business keeping you busy. Oh, the tailoring business? Or the spy business? <laughs> Joking, of course. Of course. <laughs> I've missed you. I've been genuinely concerned for your safety. Lunch hasn't been the same without you. That's very kind of you to say so, Garrick. Hopefully, things will start getting back to normal around here. Oh, I doubt that's going to happen, Doctor. I doubt that very much. And why is that? There's an old saying on Cardassia. Enemies make dangerous friends, and I fear the Dominion will make a very dangerous friend indeed. I take it you're referring to the peace talks. Exactly. I'm afraid these treaty negotiations are a mistake we're going to live to regret. Is that your opinion? Or the opinion of the Cardassian Central Command? <laughs> the former, I assure you. The Central Command is very much in favor of this treaty, which, as far as I'm concerned, only justifies my fears. Well, I, for one, hope you're worrying about nothing. Hmm. Again, good good stuff there between the two of them uh, talking. I uh, really uh, like that situation and the relationship between them. Always Bashir, uh, the Starfleet kind of brash, naive guy, and Garrett kind of takes him under his wing and it really a good relationship that evolves throughout uh, all of Deep Space Nine throughout the seasons. The next clip, this is uh, Odo and, and of course, the sh- woman shapeshifter, although she's played by a female actress, uh, Salome, I don't know how you say her name, S-A-L-O-M-E, Jens is her last name. She shows up quite a few times as being the, the leader, the founder leader, the leader of the Dominion uh, in Deep Space Nine. But anyway, it's, it's between a uh, discussion between Odo and her. So listen to this clip. Why do you dislike humanoids so much? I know they have their flaws, but 
I've found many of them to be kind, decent people. Like Major Kira? Yes, like Major Kira. Then you've been more fortunate than most changelings. Changelings? You recognize the term? Huh. I've been called a changeling on occasion. It's a name given to us by the Salads. They meant it as an insult. But in defiance, we took it and made it our own. Go on, please. The Great Link tells us that many years ago, our people roamed the stars, searching out other races so we could add to our knowledge of the galaxy. We went in peace, but too often we were met with suspicion, hatred, and violence. Why? The Salads feared our metamorphic abilities, so we were beaten, hunted, and killed. Finally, we arrived here. And here, safe in our isolation, we made our home. Tell me, why was I sent away? Because even in our isolation, we desired to learn more about the galaxy. You were one of a hundred infants sent off to gain that knowledge for us. But how could you be sure that we'd find our way back here? You had no choice. The urge to return home was implanted in your genetic makeup. And now, thanks to the passageway, you're the first one to return to us. So good, good information there. You learn about Odo and all this. This little group of a hundred uh, shapeshifters were sent out uh, to sort of explore and, and kind of come back to uh, the Dominion and the Great Link and share what they learned, sort of as probes, I guess, to a degree. You could think about it. Uh, the odd thing that that's that I think of when I when I learn about this episode and watch it again to to a little bit just seems to me you know why send somebody out that that's that doesn't know you know that much you know wouldn't it be better to send somebody out or or send a shapeshifter out that had just a little knowledge like hey this is where i'm from these are my people and to kind of go out and and explore at that point you know it's kind of like uh, you know starfleet doesn't send little babies out in space to explore the galaxy it kind of you know what does it make sense i don't know who knows but you know these are aliens they're shapeshifters changelings whatever you want to call them the dominion so who knows maybe they have their ideas it seems like they can live for a very long time anyway so i don't i don't i guess i don't understand what the rush would be although i guess you could also think that maybe they didn't want the 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 beings you know the 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 infants or i don't know what to call them the young changelings to really know where they were from thinking that they would just come right back or perhaps it would cloud what they would learn and they wouldn't be able to really uh, fit into any societies that they found perhaps you know maybe it's something like that i don't know just a thought just a thought send me your thoughts <laughs> we've only got a couple clips left for this episode uh they of course discover uh kira and oda discover how they've been keeping the crew of the defiant sort of in these little uh you know, dream state hooked up to this machine and found out that, you know, what, what Cisco ends up deciding to do with Starfleet even forming this peace treaty is he he doesn't think it's the right thing. There's too many uh, strange things going on on Deep Space Nine. Garrick ends up getting killed in, in their attempt to grab a runabout. They go to the wormhole and they try to destroy it, collapse it with some torpedoes. And then the next thing you know, they're kind of waking up in this cave where they've all been kept prisoner, hooked up to this machine to make them. The Dominion really wanted to find out what they would do, how far they would go uh, to to stop them from coming to the, to their side, to the Alpha Quadrant. So 
the last clip, two last, two clips, two last clips. No, one last clip, but two more to go. This one is a little bit about, again, between Odo and the female shapeshifter, if she is female, and the discussion and realization about everything and how Odo doesn't feel like he fits in with them. So listen to this. But how could you allow it? You belong to the Dominion, don't you? Belong to it? Major, the changelings are the Dominion. You're the founders. Ironic, isn't it? The hunted now control the destinies of hundreds of other races. But why control anyone? Because what you can control can't hurt you. So many years ago, we set ourselves the task of imposing order on a chaotic universe. Is that what you call it, imposing order? I call it murder. What you call it is no concern of ours. How do you justify the deaths of so many people? The solids have always been a threat to us. That's the only justification we need. Well, these solids have never harmed you. They traveled the galaxy in order to expand their knowledge, just as you once did. The solids are nothing like us. No. I suppose they're not. And neither am I. I've devoted my life to the pursuit of justice. But justice means nothing to you, does it? It is not justice you desire, Odo, but order the same as we do. And we can help you satisfy that desire in ways the solids never could. This will all become clear to you once you've taken your place in the Great Link. No. I admit this link of yours is appealing. But you see, I already have a link with these people. I want you to remove those devices and bring them their combatches. We can't allow them to leave. And I can't allow you to keep them here. They're leaving. And so am I. Yeah, so what I was talking about there earlier, that maybe uh, maybe it wasn't so, such a good idea to send these uh, young changelings out into the galaxy because they form these bonds and friendships with... Uh, well, Odo has, at least with the people on Deep Space Nine and Kira and Cisco and everyone there, that uh, their loyalty and, and, and who they care about is, is different. It all makes sense. It really does. And uh, the changelings and shapeshifters, the Dominion, are kind of naive and a little dumb to not think that that's going to happen. Uh, and that continues, uh, that struggle between Odo and his loyalties uh, becomes sort of an ongoing issue and theme throughout Deep Space Nine as the as the seasons and episodes continue. Got one last little clip. There's not a lot of dialogue in this, but just to kind of wrap up the show, uh, Kira, everyone else is back up on the Defiant, and Kira and Odo are left on the planet, and Odo kind of says goodbye. Uh, the female shapeshifter, she goes back into the little big old puddle out there, the Great Link, and uh, then Kira and Odo uh, beam up to uh, the Defiant. So listen to this uh, ending clip, and then I'll be right back. Ready, Major. Care to Defiant. Two to beam up. 
Okay, that wraps up this uh, week's uh, two-part Deep Space Nine episode look at uh, The Search, parts one and two. Uh, Really good episodes. Enjoyed taking another look at those. And now we're going to switch gears real fast, uh, trying to keep the show around to the hour mark, and talk about this week's collectible. The collectible, uh, this is from Battlestar Galacta that I want uh, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica that I'm going to talk about. Actually, it's kind of two collectibles I think I will cover. Uh, I, the main one I wanted to cover is uh, a, it's a Silent Centurion figure. It's about 15 inches high. It's made by Majestic Studios. It's a really great piece. I'm going to put some photos up of it in the collection gallery and podcast notes. There'll be a link there and all that stuff. I got this maybe a month or two ago. Finally nabbed one on eBay. They've been kind of hard to find. They did two different versions of this. It comes in a really nice package. um, But the two different versions, last year, San Diego Comic Con, last, I guess it was last July uh, in 2006, they released a, what they call the battle damage version of this. It has interchangeable hands, and the battle damage version came on a slightly different base with a piece of a centurion on the ground there and of course battle damage on the figure itself it's done in you know plastic but it's opposable it has multiple different uh gun uh, type hands and things you can pop in different looks you can give it move its arms around uh very 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 cool how many varies that i say there uh, too many <laughs> but anyway it's a very cool piece the one i actually got it's probably a little easier to find. I got the standard version. It's not the battle damage version. This is the sort of clean version of it. Again, by Majestic Studio. It stands about 15 inches high. It's a nice solid piece. The base could just be a little bit wider. It's it's not the most steady. If you you got to get it posed quite just right, or else it'll it'll tip over. But it's not really that bad. I've got it in a in a display case, and I'll take some pictures and put it up. That'll give you a better idea of it. You can still find them on eBay. They run about a hundred dollars uh, for a Battlestar Galactica fan of the new series. The, again, these are the uh, Centurions as seen in the new Galactica series. Really cool item. And the other uh, side item to this that I figured I might as well talk about as well is a uh, Battlestar Galactica. It's a it's a bust of just the Centurion. It's about uh, you know mid chest high and up. Uh, it's a big piece though, very heavy, uh, cool on a bookshelf looking item. Uh, again, I got this. Uh, maybe I got this off. Of, I think I got this off of a toy store site. I believe one of the many uh, places that I shop online for this kind of stuff. Uh, I think it was called maybe John's Toys. I think that may be where this one came from. But anyway, this is a uh, Silent Centurion bust. It's it's rather large. It's about uh, maybe about eight inches high, done in silver, of course. Uh, really cool item, as well as the uh, full size figure. Uh, if you're gonna uh, only uh, this one's not quite as much. This one's a little cheaper, about forty fifty dollars. You can find it, uh, give or take, depending on shipping and all that kind of stuff. But a couple of cool Battlestar Galactica pieces uh, for your collection. If you're a fan of the show, these are great. Pick them up. Check eBay. Most of the stores out there are sold out for the most part, I think, especially of the large figure. But uh, you can always find them on eBay. And, folks, I think that's going to just about wrap it up, as uh, as always, for this week. I uh, finish off the show here. Uh, just want to thank everyone for downloading, listening to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Oh, I did want to mention... I'll put this in the podcast notes. I'm, I'm getting involved with a new service called PodTrack, uh, which may bring a tiny, tiny bit of advertising to the podcast. Uh, not very much, but uh, related to that, there is a survey that uh, they have set up for you. If you're a listener of the podcast, it just takes a few minutes to do. I put a link on 
in the blog, sort of on the main webpage. I will also put a link to this survey. Uh, it's just a few pages. Ask you some questions about the podcast, what you like, maybe what you don't like about the show. Uh, and, and some other things about you to sort of get a demographic idea. Uh, feel free to do that survey if you'd like. Uh, if there's any questions on there you don't feel like answering, that's okay. No problem there. Uh, but I will, again, put a link to that survey in the podcast notes for this week. So I'd appreciate anyone who can uh, take a few minutes to fill that out. That would be that'd be super. Oh, and on the Galactica front, I did notice they started to show a few commercials on the Sci-Fi Channel for the ups, uh, uh, the upcoming uh, little uh, mini-movie series. I'm not sure how many parts to it or how long it is total. I think it's maybe two parts, a couple hours each, perhaps, maybe. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to look that up and let you know. But they're doing this series about uh, Commander Kane uh, or Admiral Kane, uh, played by Michelle Forbes, who showed up in Galactica. They're doing a little uh, series about about that, so it'll be sort of set in the past a little bit. That'll be coming up this fall on the Sci-Fi Channel, so stay tuned for that. That'll keep us a little tied tied us over until Galactica returns next, what, February? January, February in 2008? Seems like there's going to be a lot of shows that aren't returning until then. A lot of the big shows like Lost, uh, the uh, Galactica 24, which I'm a fan of. A lot, a lot of big shows won't be coming back until early 2008, so looking forward to that. We will be back, or I will be back, or the whole show will be back next Sunday uh, with a new podcast. Uh, probably be doing Voyager, maybe Enterprise, haven't uh, decided, but I usually decide by the end of the day, so check the main webpage for information about next week's show. Always send your comments. Uh, I gave you all that information earlier. But treksf at gmail.com. You can send your comments there or call 206-6666-127. That's the number. And, again, I appreciate everyone listening to the show. Uh, tell your friends, you know, about Treks and Sci-Fi. If you got friends that are Sci-Fi, Star Trek fans, so on, tell them to check it out. Uh, and I'm getting out of here because it's about lunchtime and my tummy's grumbling. And then I'll edit the show and get it up. So should be up later this afternoon as usual. So until next time, take care, everyone. Have a good uh, week. Enjoy the summer. I will talk to you very soon. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.